When you choose to study journalism, you have a vast array of opportunities awaiting you out there. Elizabeth started as a journalist and documentary producer, and over time she gathered experience in safety issues pertaining journalists in the field. Today she directs a coalition of organizations, freelance journalist associations and NGOs, who work together to champion safe and responsible journalistic practices. Elizabeth, you have the floor. My name is Elizabeth Cantenj, and I lead an organization called the ECOS Alliance, which stands for a culture of safety. We are an NGO promoting safe journalism around the world. By safe journalism, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, journalism is under threat. Increasingly, we see journalists being threatened, harassed, killed, kidnapped, imprisoned. And our job is to very much focus on how we can empower these journalists and the news organizations to prevent these to happen. So to empower them to work in safety and to be able to do their very vital work for our democracies. That's really, really a good idea and um, a necessary one. So in, in practical terms, uh, what does your service consist of for the journalists on the field? Sure. So in very practical terms, it means creating opportunities for journalists to access safety training, to learn how they can do risk assessments, how they can access insurance, how they can adopt basic best practices that can help them to prepare for some of the most difficult assignments. Okay, so are they, is it like in parallel with uh, any training and preparation that they might receive from their company or from, uh, you know, their own country? Right, so this is a very good question. Ideally, we would like to see how news organizations have built in the safety provision and they are providing safety training to all the journalists that need. So the reality is that it's not happening. Only a few leading organizations actually are providing that service to the journalists. And often the local journalists and the freelancers, those that are more vulnerable, are left behind. So part of the work that we do in providing this very practical support is also advocate for news organizations to embrace this culture of safety and to provide all the necessary measures to make sure that their journalists are able to do their work you know, as safe as possible. I mean, you know, covering Ukraine right now is in the nature of the job. There is a risk implied and all the journalists that are working there uh, assume this risk is in the nature of the job. There's a difference between going there, being unprepared without having the experience and the resources and being there, going there with all the resources that you need, with experience, with the knowledge. It can be sort of, life or death. Right. And so in the example of Ukraine, which is very relevant in our present days, what are the resources that a journalist would need to apply or embrace in order to, to feel safe and to be safe? Hmm. Well, Ukraine, it's what we call an old school war. And our recommendation would be aside of having safety training, insurance, PPE, which refers to personal protection equipment mm. with a helmet and, you know, all the protective equipment that you may need in the context of, of a war, 
On top of that, we also think it's important to have experience. You may have everything uh, on this checklist, but we believe that journalists that have not experienced a war or hostile environment should be kind of like prepare themselves, don't go from zero to one. And this is something that we teach like new graduates or, you know, sort of the sort of newcomers to our profession that you need to pace yourself uh, first, that you need to understand how you're going to react, that you need to understand how you can better prepare for the most dramatic scenarios. And and there is one very specific thing that we are we we include in that understanding of safety, which is psychological safety, how you can be in the right place and how you can build your resilience uh, in order to, to do what you are set out to do. Okay. So let's backtrack a little bit here because mm -hmm. you said it's your own organization. So you had the idea to create this organization. Um, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's my organization. Okay. Or <laughs> I had the idea. <laughs> I wish okay. that was true. But okay. uh, no, it was a collective uh, movement, I would ah, say. Okay. Um, this happened as a direct result of Syria and the killings of uh, Jim Foley and Steve Sodloff, two freelancers that were killed I in see. 2014 in Syria. And that really shocked our community. I was already working in this space and it shocked our community and it really prompted for the Acres Alliance to come about. There was a, a group of editors and and uh, press freedom advocates that came together right after and put together this document called Freelance Journalist Safety Principles, which is a very practical code of practice yeah. for news organizations and for freelance and local journalists, um, providing that kind of like very clarity on what best practice looks like. And around that, Acres was created as kind of like the executing arm of those principles, we realized that it wasn't enough to to have this code of practice, but actually we had to um, support the implementation of these best practices. And that's how a group of organizations came about in a very organic way before we knew that, you know, we had the ACOS Alliance and I'm the first executive director uh, okay. of, of the Alliance. Yeah. Okay. So are you a journalist yourself? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Great, because I have a couple of questions then. <laughs> um, yes. So, um, you did you study journalism at uh, university or school? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. okay. And uh, how long how long did you did you study, and how long did you practice before this your current uh, profession, your current job? Right. So I graduated in. 1998 all of a sudden I feel very old and <laughs> and yes I did my bachelor degrees four years journalism in my head I was a straight arrow I I could see myself as a journalist I dream of being a foreign correspondent one day and and sort of became one I I graduated and I moved to New York and I became a freelancer there. I, I worked for several Spanish media. And uh, before I knew I was producing documentaries. So yeah, and I did that up until 2004, I believe. Yes. Okay. And then uh, this opportunity came up or were you looking for something different? 
Well, it happened in a very organic way. I wish I could say I planned it, but I didn't. <laughs> life happens. <laughs> uh, life happens. I so I moved to to London from New York, and gosh, I moved to London having no idea of what I wanted to do next. I knew what I didn't want to do. Okay. Which But was? I had no idea. <laughs> okay, tell me because um, it's nice to. <laughs> I wanted a change. I wanted a change. I didn't necessarily wanted to continue working on documentaries uh, mm. as much as I loved it, and sometimes I even miss it. Yeah. But yes, I I, I somehow wanted a, a, a change when I moved to London, and I was very lost. And I remember, uh, by coincidence, I I met a friend of a friend. Um, you know, when you move to a new place, you kind of like look who knows who and who can I <laughs> kind of like connect with. And I met for coffee and, and this friend of a friend, after meeting for an hour, at the end, she really opened her her agenda and, and said to me, listen, these are my contacts. How can I help you? Who do you want to meet? And it was so generous of her. And we went through, I was like, well, I don't know who you know, so let's run through it. <sighs> So we spent quite a lot of time running through it. And among those contacts was an organization called the Rory Peck Trust, um, a, an NGO that worked to support journalists in an emergency situation. Okay. And I contact them sort of out of the blue saying, you know, this person and in case you're looking for someone, I'm here. We'd love to meet you anyways. And they they respond me very quickly and they were looking for someone to volunteer and to be honest i i was so lost at that time that i was like oh yeah i can volunteer and while i find myself i'm just going to do this i never never ever imagined that this would become my passion and that this would come i didn't even know what the job was you know what i mean okay. i knew it involved journalism I knew it was a good cause, but I started in this organization. It was very small. We were, I, I keep saying always, like we, when I started in this organization based in London, we were like three people and two computers <laughs> almost. <Okay. laughs> and, and 12 years later, I was the head of programs and we had a team of 12, 14 people. And yeah, we were doing incredible work and we were supporting you know more than 100 individuals a year that were at the peak of a crisis you know journalists that were arrested or had to flee the country and i got addicted to this job yeah. <laughs> it felt so fulfilling and and that's how i i kind of like enter a new space i think one of the things that i missed at at university and i'm very proud of the education that i had is that we seem to have, and I don't know whether that's something that it's uh, imposed on students or or was me, but I had a very tunnel vision of my future. Like I was studying journalism and I couldn't imagine that there are a variety of other professions and things mm. that you can do where you can use the same skills that can be equally exciting and fulfilling. I didn't know that back then. Yeah, and this is a, a really important point because uh, sometimes the choices are so funneled, but you don't know what that 
a road where it could lead you and this is also the reason why uh, back then I didn't choose journalism because all I was thinking was written journalism and I felt I was not strong enough for writing I didn't like enjoy I didn't enjoy writing but I never thought of the video journalism so in your case because this is also a big you know, issue that young people uh, face when they have to decide what to do next. When you were saying, you know, I'm lost. Uh, in your case, um, how how did you choose journalism? And um, can you explain a little bit about that process? I had a little bit the opposite of you in the sense that I like writing <laughs> <laughs> and I I love reading. So it seemed like uh, like a good choice. I must say. There were two things, well, several things, of course, that I loved. But I loved art back then. I loved traveling and sort of like discovering new things. And I felt like journalism could be a vehicle for that. Mm. Um, I saw journalism as the door to, you know, being able to travel and being able to, to meet other people and to understand things and to learn and to feed my curiosity, I felt like journalism was something where you keep sort of learning new realities and you have exclusive access to to stories and to people. And I was very attracted mm-hmm. by by that. Okay. And and in your experience, like do you would you say that it's important to have journalism studies before you start a job or your professional life or could it also be like a a job that you learn by doing? Yes. I I I don't think it's an essential thing. I didn't know better. I thought that was the way to do it. And I'm I'm very happy and I again, I'm I'm very proud of my of my bachelor's degree. I felt when I graduated that I was in a good place. I had done internships um, that sort of like built or confirmed that I was in the right place and reassured me. But I don't think it's the only path to journalism. There are so many paths mm-hmm. and and you can choose to approach journalism from whichever theme you're passionate about, whether it's environment, whether it's fashion or art or international relations, and you can access journalism from that. And I think that's the beauty of journalism, that there is that openness and you can come from many different places, I think, and you can still be a great journalist without having gone to to J school. Right. Okay. And looking at your, uh, you know, the contact to journalism today in, in your in the organizations where you work, how do you know the journalists that will need help? Do they come to you? Are, you know, is it a well-known organization or do you reach out? And you were talking about maybe a hundred journalists in your past experience. Is it, how how do you find your, uh, say, customers, if we want to say, right. your, your target, uh, your target uh, right. people? Well, I, let me, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of like going to do a, a little bit of a detour, if you allow yeah, me. Please. I think it's very different what I was doing in my previous job as head of programs in this other organization where I was doing reactive work. And in that case, basically, something bad needed to happen for us to help you. Mm. And there are a lot of organizations out there that do amazing work monitoring attacks on press. And that was a major source of information back then. 
in understanding who had been attacked. With time, one of the things that I that I did and I enjoy the most was actually building relationships with organizations around the world. So I did a, a great deal of traveling and connecting those connecting with those organizations, making trustworthy and solid relationships with these organizations. So when something would happen, they could they knew that they could reach out to us and we would do our best to support. And one of the great things that we did is that when we couldn't help, we would really find someone who could help. We just didn't want to leave anyone behind. And in a way that also expanded our network of contacts. So mm-hmm. that's kind of I like, see. I would say, sort of my role then. But I also, after 12 years of doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I became increasingly frustrated that, again, something bad needed to happen before I could help, uh, okay. before we could help. And that's that's still needed by all means. But I... You know, I was interviewing, talking with some of these journalists and none of them had insurance. None of them had done, or most of them had not done safety training. And most of them didn't have a risk assessment plan. It was, you know, the basic things that could have avoided Mm. for that tragedy to happen. And yeah, yeah. and that's why, you know, these sort of what was happening in my mind happened at the same time of Syria. Syria was, I think, a big moment for a lot of us because it was really hard to to cope with what was happening, and and when the discussions around the discussions around the Acres Alliance became, it it really fed me into understanding that, gosh, I can be working on something that can be proactive that Mm. can maybe save someone. Mm. Yes. And that gave me renewed energy, I think, from the job that I was doing. And what we're doing, how we find our customers. I like that question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So again, we have a wide network of contacts. we we have more than 130 signatories to the ECOS principles of the freelance journalist safety principles. We are active on social media. Um, so part of our work is to make ourselves heard on what we are advocating, what we are campaigning for, but also to offer those opportunities whenever you know we are organizing the training or we have partner organizations that are able to offer it or you know there is anything going on that can actually help our community okay and if i understand correctly now your job is less of a journalistic nature per se like yeah. you don't write anymore you know pieces and stuff but it's really organizational and you know preparation of trainings or you you maybe give trainings yourself what is it that you do on a daily basis <laughs> well, I do sometimes, you know, I, I miss writing and I wish I had the time. And sometimes, you know, I, I write sort of like I get invited to write a, a, an op-ed or an article or and I love doing it. I don't do it enough. But yes, I, you're absolutely right. My days are filled with conversations with uh, actual individual freelance journalists or local journalists editors increasingly editors and news organizations interested in how they can become more aware and how they can empower themselves 
to implement some of the safety practices that we we advocate for. A lot of conversations with partner organizations, how we strategize. I really believe that the challenges that we have are much larger than anyone uh, of us individually. And that's why ACOS is an alliance. So we are not, you know, by ourselves. Um, <laughs> it's very much, you know, coming together as a coalition. So there's a great deal of working with others. And I'm not a journalist, but I see myself using all the time my journalist skills, interviewing people and making connections. And the other thing that I find is an extremely good advantage of being a journalist is that I am talking with journalists most of the times. And there is a complicity when I say I am a journalist myself. Mm. I've been a freelancer and I haven't been, uh, luckily, in in any position of, of great danger before, but I can empathize and I, I do share the language of journalism. I do understand their passion and their commitment to the stories that they tell. And, and I do understand that they are you know, sometimes putting their lives at risk because of that passion. So I think that empathy has really opened many doors in in my job. And I still use what I've learned in sort of, you know, my studies, but also my experience as journalist. I still introduce myself as a journalist when people, because it's a little bit difficult to explain what I do. So, you know, when you are in a party or when you get introduced to someone, sometimes I get, you know, I use a shortcut and I say I'm a journalist. <laughs> and if they want to know more, then I tell them more. Um, but I see myself still as a journalist. Okay. So for someone who would like to um, be a journalist, but, you know, work in, in your line of work, uh, what would be the best skills that they could be achieving it? or aiming at, let's say? I think our sector is really open to anyone who's committed to press freedom, freedom of expression, human rights. So you definitely, I mean, I was saying how great it is that I have that background in journalism, but definitely you don't need to be a journalist to mm. to work in, in, in our sector. If you're young and you're interested, I think you know, volunteering or landing yourself an internship, it's a great way to have firsthand taste of of what we do. I think it's intoxicating what we do. You get, you get a bag because it's very rewarding to uh -huh. see the impact of, of, what, of what we're doing almost on a daily basis, how, you know, we are helping individuals and that's very powerful. So yeah. I think if you... If you're young and you're you're trying to understand whether this is the place where you want to be, I would say find yourself an internship or, or volunteering and and see where it takes you. Okay. And if you could find, um, if you had to pick one most difficult uh, part of your job, uh, what would it be? Uh, definitely to deal with the psychological stress <laughs> of our work. I mean, we are dealing with people that are most of the times at the peak of a crisis or they are about to cover a very difficult, you know, story. And 
uh, there is a lot of empathy through the struggles that they they encounter and it's i think it's human there is that empathy and and you yeah. also suffer you feel <laughs> you, for them yeah you feel for them and if you've been long enough like i've been in this space sooner or later you will have actually people that you know that are getting killed mm. or people that you know that are being imprisoned mm. and it becomes personal and it's how it's supposed to be i mean we're all human and and there is this idea that actually they are the ones who are suffering and you're kind of like saying to yourself it's not for me to be in pain or it's not for me to complain about the stress that i have because i ultimately i am privileged i live in safety so there is i wasn't aware of these when i started and it only built up through the years that i was doing a lot of the emergency support right and i realized how the impact that it has and only you know only recently you learn a little bit more about self care and you're aware about you know what you are being exposed and it hasn't deterred me because it's still i think the, the balance is positive and right. i think <laughs> our job is so needed and ultimately so rewarding but this is the the one thing that i wasn't aware when i started and sometimes it's difficult to deal with and and sometimes it's also okay. to to witness colleagues dealing with it um i had recently an exchange with with colleagues where uh somewhere sharing some some of the you know situation that is happening in iran and it was extremely yeah moving to yeah. to see how some of these colleagues are suffering one last question for you is it yeah. is it a job that you can do online you know having a lot of this new digital nomad life yes absolutely i mean there is um i used to travel a lot before covid yeah and then Uh, we realized with covid that you can do a great deal online and yeah. i am based in barcelona my organization is registered in new york and i work with a pool of international colleagues in many different parts of the world and i love it that we can connect and we can you know you need to have that flexibility in your schedule and ultimately you need to to be able to travel because there is nothing like meeting face to face and and to connect in that sense yeah. but definitely it's something definitely. that you can do online yes super well i want to thank you a lot for for participating first of all at the podcast <laughs> and uh, for sharing your experience which is very inspiring important and touching at the same time thank you elizabeth and i'll let you know when it's online <laughs> yeah thank you so much for having me As you can see, there are many applications of what a journalist can achieve during his or her career. If you're a journalist and want to share your own experience, please write me at jobtalespodcast at gmail.com.